0: Welcome back everyone to From Poop to Gold. I'm Daniel Harmon, Chief Creative Officer at of Harmon Brothers. My guest today is Eric Huberman. He is the founder and CEO of Hawk Media. Welcome, Eric. Thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So Hawk Media is an outsourced um, CMO company, right? Where you guys will do all the, the marketing, I, I guess, full service, right? You take care of yep. everything for everybody. So how, um, how did this come about? How did you become, the CEO of this of this marketing agency, essentially, and uh, lo- lo- what's what's a little bit of your backstory?
1: Yeah, um, you know, timely now because I graduated in two thousand eight and went into real estate. A week to the day before Lehman Brothers collapsed and the entire banking news industry with it.
0: So I graduated. I graduated in two thousand and seven, by the way.
1: There you go. Got my Thank first you. job,
0: and then and then when two thousand and eight hit, I was downsized. So anyway. Yeah, so you get it. Yeah,
1: and I think honestly, I think two oh eight was a better time to graduate than 07 just because <laughs> I didn't know any difference. So I was like, all right, well, this all sucks, but I didn't have anything to compare it to. So I thought maybe just coming out of college sucks, and like. When Lehman Brothers collapsed, I get that nobody knew what it meant, but like, I really didn't know. I had never heard of Lehman Brothers. So, um...
0: That was me. I was reading the headline. I was like, everyone says this is a big deal. Yeah. I'm like, but they're not Wells Fargo. I don't know what the, what's going on. you know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so when, uh, and then, you know, I heard like, well, this is the first time it's happened in a hundred years. And I'm like, I feel like meaning like all these companies like Bear Stearns have been around so long. And I was like, yeah, but companies fail at all points of their life cycle. So like so a few big companies failing doesn't seem like it's anything to worry about, is it? So anyways, went to that in that year, you know, I, uh, made $350 being a commercial real estate broker throughout the year, so that's a tough <laughs> just payroll. Just a great year. <laughs> yeah, booming, uh, really tough to pay rent in Santa Monica when you made $350 in a year. Yeah. So I uh, started going into decent debt and uh, just to live. And I uh, started working on a side business, a music company, and to make a very long story short, ended up building three different e-commerce companies over the course of a decade, or less than a decade, like six years. Sold two of them, and then about seven years ago, started advising and consulting for a lot of large and small brands on how to drive revenue using marketing. And just saw that the whole marketing ecosystem to this day is just completely broken because you just you if you're not a like Fortune 1000 or a really sexy startup, you can't get access to top tier marketing talent. It's just not, it's, there, it's really counterintuitive in that sense. I mean, I guess it's not necessarily counterintuitive, but you, if, if you want to hire in-house, the top talent out there that wants to work for a company is going to go work for the best companies. If you want to hire an agency, agencies notoriously, if they're any good, only want to work with really big companies. That's the whole thing. Is like agencies get to a certain size or a certain capability and they go they go up market. That's the line that every agency uses, which means the agencies everyone else gets to pick from are all the ones that could never grow, could never succeed, and don't know their, you know, don't know how to do marketing, frankly. <laughs> shitty. Right. So that none of that made sense to me. And because I had built some e-com companies, I had some good friends that were good at marketing. I had learned a lot on marketing, and that's really what I focused on with my own businesses. So I built a small little SWAT team for companies I was advising for that were good at what they did individually. So like a Facebook marketing or an email marketer, web designer, a fractional CMO, and then just made everything super accessible. So a la carte, month to month, you know, the idea is it's cheaper than trying to build a team in-house and you get access to good talent and it's really nimble and flexible. And so that's how we started. And now it's been six and a half years. We've got about 160 plus people and offices LA in New York and Boston. Technically, I guess right now we have offices all over the country given the quarantine, but you get the idea. And yeah, we've grown
0: over 2000 brands at this point as their outsourced marketing team. Very cool. So you are a full Outsource marketing team. You're not necessarily advising them and consulting them, and oh. then they execute. You're actually doing execution as well.
1: It's both. So again, it's a la carte. So it's yep. do they want just for strategy, for execution, uh, for both? It's whatever we, we're really nimble and we're consultative during the onboarding process to make sure we do the things we think they need because we have no long term contracts. So we have to put forward what we think the value that's going to be provided.
0: Okay. Very cool. Um, well, that's that's kind of kind of cool the way it started. Like sometimes um, you know some of the best companies out there really start in a downturn where they just don't know any better. Yep. And then just kind of go from there. So that's, that's you all the
1: memes with Uber and Airbnb, and I think Google started in the downturn, downturn. Like it's just the, I I don't know, to me, it's downturns are just an opportunity to like be a good entrepreneur. Like the one, the companies that are, don't get me wrong, there's a portion of like what's going on right now, where it's like the government tells you that your entire industry is shut down. That has nothing to do with the entrepreneur. That is shitty. But there's still even adapting to that, the companies are doing Like a good friend of mine uh, has gyms all across Canada, has had the company for like 25 years, and overnight was told to shut down all his gyms. He doesn't have the balance sheet to just pay for 20, you know, dozens of gyms across the country while he doesn't make any money. So he went into virtual training and has done just fine. So it's like oh, there's cool. a there's companies like if you're a cruise ship operator, you don't really have an option. There's not really a virtual right. cruise Maybe you could do something, but like a lot of companies, I mean, uh, Cheesecake Factory is still at 50% of revenue, even though they're all closed for in-room dining. Like uh, it's, you can actually survive to some extent if you're nimble and you adapt. And it's not just for startups. It's for any company like
0: Cheesecake Factory. Right. Yeah. That's a huge company and being able to mobilize that quickly and adjust. Yep. That's pretty incredible. Yep. Have you always been, have you always had the mind of an entrepreneur? I mean, it kind of sounds like if, if you were going into real estate.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I, my first stint was at six years old, I decided I needed to make money. And I stole a bunch of my parents' stuff, put it in a pillowcase and walked door to door trying to sell things I thought my parents didn't need anymore. <laughs> and I had no
0: idea. You, you were probably right. They probably didn't need them.
1: <laughs> I mean, I was like, I was selling, it was all, to me, five and 10 cents was a lot of money. So oh, I was I selling, know. like, I forgot there was, there was some actual items in there, like an alarm clock for 10 cents. Like, it was like, my dad doesn't need that anymore. He has two of them. Like, it was that kind of stuff. But, uh, and then I remember that that was a fun story because I did it with a friend of mine. And when we came back, we split the money 50-50, and in my head I was like, but this is my parents' stuff, not your parents, why do you get half? But I, didn't, <laughs> I was six years old, I didn't know how to articulate that, so I was just annoyed and didn't do it again. And then when I was- like eight, This cap
0: this cap table screwed up. <laughs> yeah, something
1: screwy here. And then when I was eight, uh, I wanted to get an electric guitar, and I w- went to my dad and said, I need to play guitar because the, the only other Eric I really knew about was Eric Clapton. Like, well, mm-hmm. Eric's play guitar, so that's how it works. Asked him for it. And my dad, in his eloquent way, just said, good, get a fucking job. And I was eight. So I went, all right. And so I saw people are going crazy over Beanie Babies. And so and started buying and selling Beanie Babies and ended up making like 4,000, 5,000 bucks as an eight-year-old. So,
0: <laughs> that's yeah, incredible. I bought, I bought the guitar. I bought a BMX and I saved some money for a car later. So it was good. That's awesome. Yeah, that was one of my first motivations to to work was to actually get a bike um, a mountain bike not a not a BMX Um, I was in Idaho and so it was a little Mm -hmm. bit more Uh, yeah so well here here's here's the question then Um, was your dad an entrepreneur yeah yeah, okay. I, I, the, with the way, yes. yeah. Yeah,
1: he he and his dad was an entrepreneur. Like, it's, I, I definitely, in, not in the negative way, it's usually used, but I took it for granted. Like, that's what you do. You, you become an entrepreneur. Like, if you're going to get a job, it's to learn something so that you can do your own thing. Like, right. that to me was always the plan. And so any job I got, which I've worked for other people, was always like a stepping stone, not the end game. There
0: you go. Very cool. All right, well, this podcast is called From Poop to Gold. So we always want to dive into kind of a crappy situation that you ran into where you were able to turn it into something positive maybe even something great what what comes to mind for you in your career where you kind of hit that rock bottom and made something made something really good out of it
1: so i got two stories i can go with one that was let's say eight years ago or one that happened three weeks ago which is better to you there's a really relevant
0: story here that comes to mind but um you know uh, we might even have time for both. So whichever one you you feel like is the best start.
1: I mean, this comes out soon. I'll start with the latter because uh, it might be helpful to people. So yeah. four weeks ago is when every trade show and speaking engagement, including the one we were supposed to meet at originally, got canceled like overnight. It's traffic and conversion where we were supposed to meet, as well as you know, can lions and shop talk and. Uh, just event after event after event. And I do a ton of speaking and a ton of trade shows and conferences for my business. It drives a ton of business for us. And so not only that, I have an event team full-time for Hawk to support that. So all of a sudden it was like, well, what the hell? We we had three of our own events, or no, sorry, six of our own events being hosted through April that we had planned oh, yeah. and yeah, that's gone. So we were like, all right, well, good, good news is we saved all that money, um, but <laughs> bad news is uh, we need to figure out some other way to generate that business because we're spending that money for a reason. Right. And so I said to my team like, hey, everyone wants these marketing conferences. Why don't we just throw a digital conference and run with it? And like, let's do some online events, get some cool speakers and do like a whole day of like, we do an, an annual event in October called Hawkfest and it's basically for brand owners we get about 600 brand owners out and have like them teach each other so we have like you know the founders of fat fit fun and spoken and honest company and dollar Shave club and all these different cool brands that we have talked about their expertise so like we try to pick like very specifics that that company's really good at and have them teach other brand owners about it so i'm like why don't we do something like that one week later the country de- country declared a national emergency and everything got shut down and so my team had started working on it with an internal title quarantine conference and i was like that's perfect call it that they're like, offend anyone I'm like don't put a gas mask on the logo but like <laughs> let's be real we're quarantined that is what's happening so having a quarantine conference but I think now like that that weekend when we got when I like sent my team home and the national emergency and all that was I, it was like one of the more stressful weekends of my life like I was definitely panicked couldn't sleep, had no idea if I was coming in. We're a month-to-month agency. I had no idea if I was coming in Monday and my entire business was gone. Like, no idea, you know, the predictability is really tough. And, you know, for six and a half years, we've had, variables that stay pretty constant at scale. And we have a lot of clients, so it's at scale. And so now there's a whole new variable I have no idea how to account for. And right. so no, Yeah. Yeah. But almost every business owner is dealing with this. And almost every business owner had a really stressful weekend, March 13th. And oh, so sure. we came back and Monday hit and we had, yeah, uh, uh, some bad news, but it wasn't dire. It was just, we were scrambling. We were frantic for a couple weeks. We had to do a lot of triage, but we made it through like the craziness part of it. And so when we came, I realized like in that week, Like I got through the weekend, super stressful. And I was like, you know what? There's three possibilities here. Either this ends in a few weeks and then this doesn't matter anyways. There's no reason to panic. This ends in a few months. Then we got to adapt to make it through it. And we got to figure it out now. Or it lasts a few years and the whole fucking world ends. And then this, none none of what I'm stressing about now matters anyway. So, like, my business falling apart is the last of my worries at that point. So, let's get over that and let's go with the middle case scenario, which is the only thing I can really act act accordingly to. And so, we started. And so, I went to my team and said, I'm not the only one dealing with this. Like, we're all, every entrepreneur right now is looking for information, looking for guidance, looking for motivation. Like, this is tough. So, let's get, let's pivot from like a marketing conference to just a conference on how to adapt with the times. And so, in three weeks, we got Damon John to keep. You know, We got uh, Anthony Scaramucci to talk about the financial markets. We got Brandon Webb, who's a New York Times bestseller. and He ran sniper training for wherein Chris Kyle and Marcus Vitrell went through it and had pivoted the whole curriculum for sniper training to be more Positive reinforcement than negative, like everyone knows in the military is about screaming in your face. He right. reversed that, and uh, this guy's a legend. So he opened it. Like we had a, just a ton of incredible speakers and 4,200 people attend. Our biggest event ever was just broke 600. So we were able to pivot, get seven times as many people to come check it out, and um, it was honestly a huge success for us. And we did it in three weeks. And so you know the shit was like we we thought my I went from thinking my business might be over by the end of March to literally the biggest most successful event and marketing initiative we may have ever done for the company. Wow.
0: That's that's fantastic. That's amazing. And I especially love... So It's very, very new, but like on Tuesday, that's when we had it. Well, and, and you described some of those feelings you were going through. Yeah going into that weekend of just like not being able to sleep, the yeah. stress, the panic and er, that all of us were experiencing.
1: And I think I've had that like twice in my life. Like I'm not a stressful guy. I'm very calm and level headed. So like yeah. it's not a normal feeling for me. It's not like I'm panicked every time we have a problem with the business. It is very rare that I like can't see query that I'm hazy that I'm like that was an unusual experience for me.
0: And I can relate with that feeling. I was remembering the same thing. I was like, Oh my gosh, I think this is actually anxiety. I'm not like I don't yeah. I don't get really anxious in that sense. get I'll, I'll get Nervous when we go into a shoot. Um, I have a lot of nerves around that and around different like um, client meetings and stuff. That that kind of thing occasionally. But this was like nothing I'd ever experienced before. I was like, oh my goodness, this is what anxiety is like all the time for people. This is not fun and. Um, And like you said, I love the perspective of like, okay, let's look at this realistically. This is either a waited out kind of thing and oh well, like we're just going to suck it up for three weeks and it's going to be over or it's going to be there in between where okay, we've got to make some real adjustments because this is going to go like three months or this is a very worst case scenario in which in which case none of this matters. I like how you compartmentalized it in order to make the decision on what you could actually control. Yeah. And
1: we, we have a pretty big habit of that at Hawk is like simplify the problem, get down to the core of it, just make the decision. Like, you know, every it's easy to overcomplicate things. It's easy to, and a lot of times things are complicated, but you gotta simplify them and just make a decision on the bigger picture because there's not enough time to work through the details a
0: lot of the time. Love that, awesome. Okay, so let's talk a little bit of marketing then. What are some big mistakes you see people make? Not just right now, because obviously right now is is going to change, it's not going to be the norm forever. We might be dealing with a a new normal, but we don't know exactly what that looks like. But what are some of the biggest marketing mistakes you see people making right now?
1: Yeah, so right now it's actually, and it is relevant in general, is cutting off marketing when you're panicked or you think something's not working. It's, It's cutting off your oxygen when you think you're sick. It's, I know it's going to sound biased, but we have all the recordings from our panels, every COO and CEO that was talking was saying the same thing, like Anthony Scarmucci's thing is stay on, the, stay on offensive, he has it written on his mirror in the morning. Yep. So it's like SOO down offense. Yeah. Um, so the idea is like it's the same thing here like we didn't pull back on our marketing in this situation and the companies that if you're like hyper effective and just have no cash, you're going to have to make adjustments. But the idea that you're going to like cut off all your new customers and cut off all your marketing and hold on for dear life, that's just a recipe for disaster. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy and we're I, you know, thankfully some of my competitors are doing that and like holding back and pulling it off and it's like what are you saving that money for? Like you're just you, we all have fixed costs. We all have overhead. Now you're just draining as opposed to potentially driving a new business. Like again, in March, we decided to lean into it and we closed and brought in more new business and had better retention in March than January and February. Oh, that's fantastic. So, it, And it's because we went on the offense. We, Our client success dove in with every company. I got on the, any company that was actually like really getting impacted. I jumped on the phone personally and walked through like what they could be doing. Had nothing to do with saving them. We lost some clients that were impacted. Like a car wash should not be paying us for marketing right now. Just yeah. not, it's real. We have a chain of car. We were like, but hey, what can you do maybe here to build up some something so that even if you're completely shut down and there's no option, can like that car wash do home delivery car washes because people are still driving in LA, at least I went up, I I went on one errand the past two weeks and uh, last weekend drove up uh, into the Valley and the freeway looked like any other Saturday. It wasn't which is rough to say, but the point is people are using their cars. If you had a car wash delivery and were wearing a mask, they'd probably be down to let you wash the car outside in their driveway. Like right. there's all these opportunities. And so like really leaning into it. So the biggest mistake with marketing is, you know, thinking it's a binary thing where you turn it on or off versus assuming you have to market your business. You just may have to change how you market your business. Like we changed every creative we were doing three weeks ago quickly because a lot of it was tone deaf and that worked out really well too. So that's to say number one. Number two the cat is thinking that all that goes into marketing is advertising and like top of the funnel that's a very common mistake from newer entrepreneurs is like my marketing is my Facebook ads and my uh, Google ads and it's like there's this thing called a purchase cycle where mm-hmm. someone sees your ad it takes a, there's a period of time between them first introducing to your brand and actually buying something and most companies or not most companies but probably the biggest mistake I see just in general is people not doing a lot on the email marketing side and SMS and ongoing nurturing of those leads and of those customers to to increase their conversion rate and increase their lifetime value of a customer, staying in touch. And that all goes into the second biggest mistake, which is every one of these massively failing uh, e-commerce companies don't think about lifetime value. It's all CAC. And so, like, Casper, which, you know, I like those guys a lot, but, like, they launched a mattress. How many times in your lifetime do you buy a mattress? So like, right. The cost to acquire that customer versus how you could actually drive revenue from it. Like, it just wasn't in their model, and it took them a long time to launch any other products. And the second product they launched was a dog bed. So, yeah. it's like, it's the same thing with Dollar Shave Club, which also has never made a profit. They launched razors, and then they went with butt wipes. Like, do you really think that was what's going to drive the value of your customer up? And it's like, they were both marketing-focused, and they're really cool press hits from that. Right. But it right. didn't make any more real money. So it's that kind of stuff that like, you really have to think about your merchandising and the way that you bring customers back and you get ongoing revenue because acquiring a customer is
0: really expensive. Keeping a customer is not. It's That's more right. it's more actions than it is expense, like life, lifetime value is huge. And I love what you're saying about staying on the offensive. When you watch a basketball game or a football game, you can always see when that team has got the lead, and they're just playing not to lose. As opposed yep. to just like let's just let's just put these guys out of their misery right now, you know. Um,
1: and especially again, keeping it relevant right
0: now, your competitors,
1: some of them. Are freezing up, yep. and I'm sorry, but this is a competitive or country. Like you are competing with other people, other you're competing with for eyeballs, for share a wallet, etc. And let your let it get everyone out of the way. Like you yep. know, we had a competitor of ours reach out. What was it? A, like a month and a half ago, convinced four of our they were a 20 year old agency. They convinced four of our employees to quit to go to them and give them no notice because they could pay them way more because they've been around forever and. Uh, a month later, they laid off 75% of their staff. Oh, man. And those employees that gave us no notice and burned the bridge. And we told them blatantly, like, don't come back. Like, you're going to put us in this position where you're just going to leave your work on a Friday and not come back on a Monday. There's no open door here.
0: But, yeah, at the end of the day, life's about relationships. And that is not how you maintain relationships. And we were very straightforward. Like, I didn't yell. I was just saying, hey,
1: listen, like, this is a really shitty thing to do. If you're not going to give two weeks' notice, like, the door's closed. Yeah. And yeah. we've brought employees back. We're happy. Like, I have no problem with an employee taking another job. Sincerely, if yeah. they leave on good terms, they are all, the door is open. If they left on good terms and they were good for us and we have a place for them later, that's fine. It's more, but if you leave on bad terms, never again.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I could t- I could talk to you all day about this kind of stuff, Eric. I love I love I love how your mind works about this. So, where are you based, by the way? Um, we're in Utah. We're just a, right? we're just a little south of Salt Lake. Yep. Whereabouts? Uh, uh Provo. It's so oh, it's nice, right next yeah. to a couple of colleges here, BYU and um, Utah. Into
1: Provo, we, we almost bought an agency
0: down there. Oh yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, okay, so let me ask a little bit about some of your um, your your uh, I think you're a creative thinker from from the sounds of things. I um I I love all things uh, creative. Um, and I know you kind of describe yourself as a storyteller. Um, where do you find your creative flow? How do, how how do you go about getting your your ideas and 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 thinking kind of with a with a vision?
1: Um. You mean when, like, you mean for client work? I guess in what, what just,
0: just in general for your business yeah. and when you're when yeah. you're solving problems for clients, you name it. Yeah, I think I'm
1: just. I've honestly never answered a question like this, so I, I honestly think I don't really have a filter on it. And so, like, just like I'm talking right now, I just go for it with anything. Like, I don't really worry about sounding dumb or coming up with a bad idea. I just go for it, and like stream of consciousness doesn't really come hard to me. So, like, okay. I'm literally saying it right now. So, like, okay. I think it's just when someone asks me a question, I, my head starts. I'm, a logical thinker almost more than a creative thinker in a weird way. Where, like you. one thing leads to another kind of thing in my head. So I'm the That's typical like my wife even says it, my friends say it, like they love how my mind works because we'll be sitting there and I'll just say something random, I'm not the only one. I'll talk like something random. And then I'll explain, no, that that happened because that person said this, and then this happened. And then I thought about this time that this happened and went to that. And so then teddy bears popped into my head. (laughs) I kind of let that play out when it comes to business too, where it's like, same thing with like the quarantine conference was like, oh, I can't go to conferences anymore. I can't travel period what, what solves that problem? Well, We could kind of go digital, but we still have to have like networking too. So what could we do for networking? Oh, Slack could work for that. And it's just like really micro problem solving constantly. Then all of a sudden you end up with this bigger picture thing that solves a bunch of little problems.
0: Yeah. I love that. Well, particularly I like this concept of remove your filter for a lot of people like myself, the filter is the kind of the second guessing filter. Oh, well, yeah. here's this idea, but, but all oh, that might not work out because of this or, Oh, what, what, what will people think if that's wrong or that kind of thing? And I love that you just don't really think in those terms like that is a true entrepreneurship mind of it's it's not like so I've got a little bit more of the artist mind where it's um the imposter syndrome of always just being like oh you're not good enough and stuff you're just like no let's just get some stuff done <laughs> I well, like so that, example yeah, that
1: so, so and we're still working on it so I'm not promising is happening, but we're trying to throw a comedy show in the beginning of May, a digital comedy show. Yeah. And uh, working on a few things, I called one of my friends and manages a bunch of comedians and told them like, I want to do a, a Zoom comedy show so I'm kind of got to figure it out. And so perfect example, he's like, well, comedians need laughter. They need play with the audience. That doesn't really work on Zoom. And my response is, yeah, we can solve that problem. Like that's, I guess how like, I don't shut things down because there is a problem. It's like, right. okay, so that, we have to solve the audience problem. That doesn't mean the comedy mm-hmm. show is broken. And so it's about narrowing, again, simplifying it. Well, let's figure out an audience thing. Like Let's have 100 people allowed to talk, or let's open it up in Slack so they can see all the uh, written comments so it's not too noisy, or whatever it is. I'm sure there's a way to fix that.
0: Yep. Chunk it up, solve it one little piece at a time, get there step by step. Love it. So for our audience um, that wants to look you up, Eric... Where should they go?
1: Yeah, I mean I'm um, at at or slash Eric Huberman on any social media channel. So okay. E R I K H U B E R M A N. Pretty easy
0: to get a hold of. Cool. And then to um for for Hawk Media, where's where's the best place to look that up?
1: Website, hawkmedia.com or okay. same thing, at or slash hawk media on any social.
0: Yep, and it's Hawk H A W K E.
1: Yep.